Lord, I thank you that you are a great big God who can handle all the situations that are going on outside. Lord, I pray that whoever they're rushing to help, that you'll help them to get there quickly and that they will have wisdom and confidence. Lord, as we um, are opening the scripture together and uh, we've been looking at the um, sevenfold anointing of the Lord, I pray that you will grace us with those anointings. Uh, not just this morning, Lord, but, but each and every day, that, that we will be filled by the Spirit of the Lord, that we will be um, filled by the Spirit of wisdom, by the Spirit of understanding, by the uh, Spirit of counsel, by the Spirit of might, by the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. We ask that you would come. We give you full reign and authority to do so in our lives. And at this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Right, I'm hoping that you guys, uh, who, who all can name those seven by heart? You should get, get, those, get those in your spirit, all right? So that uh, it, it'd be great if you would, you know, I don't want to be legalistic about it, but if you, if you do that every day or every couple of days or at least a, two or three times a week, Ask the Lord for those anointings because it, this, will, this will change your life. If we can start walking in these sevenfold anointings of the Lord, you want, you want to talk about an impact not only to us but to society because uh, if, I mean, if we can think about walking in the wisdom of Solomon each and every day, walking in the, the strength and might like um, Samson, right? Walking in... I think think about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, and uh, what he what he can do through these different anointings. Um, let me give you a little bit of insight into um, uh, how I prepare uh, for preaching. Okay, um, and I've I've had many courses in this, but uh, you know. The, the Lord will drop, a lot of times drop a, um, a text in mind or, or an idea or a thought and I'll, I'll find that, I'll look at that passage and then what I'll, be, I'll begin to study that through which means I'll read it through, I'll look at it and um, then I pull out all the commentaries and I read all these high level guys who, who uh, are probably a lot smarter than me and have a lot more education than I do and, and they're, they're writing in all this crazy language that you have to, um, to, to really try to get hold of to be able to understand, right? And it gives you the, the meaning of the passage. They go through all the historical data and it, here's the meaning. So when I, when I look at a passage, you know, the meaning is really easy to get because I've got a whole bunch of people that I rely on and also the, everything that I've read and understand about it. So the meaning is there. But there's always something more. There's something more that, I, that I'm looking for. I'm looking for not only what does it mean historically, but what does it mean to us? Or, or what is the key? What is the, um, the, the thing that will, will really make a difference in this passage? And that's what's really, really difficult to get to. And what, what I end up doing is I, I pray and I pray and, and sometimes it takes days a lot of times. I, I'm, 
I, I've, look, I've looked at everything, I know what it means, I know what it means historically and contextually, but, but to try to get to the actual meaning for us or that, that angle, if you will, of how do you present this in such a way that it's, it's impactful? Why, why is this an important passage, not just another passage that's in this whole big group of books? And eventually the Lord will drop that in my heart and say, okay, this is, this is what's important about this. And I believe that comes from the spirit of understanding. <coughs> it comes from the spirit of understanding. Under, the spirit of understanding, um, it, it gives us a, a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this several times, so I'm, I'm going to read this. The spirit of understanding gives perceiving, perseverance, avoiding pitfalls, and producing. Okay? I mean, let me say it a little bit. Uh, th that those are going to be my points. But basically, the spirit of understanding lets us be able to understand the word, okay? Understand what God is saying. Take that into our hearts. Apply it and then use it to do it, okay? The, the spirit of understanding is not, it's not just simply being able to look at the commentary like I did, okay? It's not just simply to be able to take it and, and put it into the historical context of the passage, okay? That's all important, but if, if the, if, if that's all you needed, the Pharisees all would have been sold out with Jesus, but they weren't, right? Because they, they had all of the context. They knew it all. They knew the entire Old Testament. But what Jesus was looking for was somebody who would hear, who would take it in, right? Make it part of themselves, who would, who would let the Lord work on them, and who would then do what the passage is saying. Do what his command is. Do and, and to produce the fruit. That is the spirit of understanding. Okay? That is in essence the spirit of understanding. Jesus, um, this, uh, this passage here, we, and most of us know this passage, so um, I'm going to read it though, and I'm going to, hopefully we can all understand it. Nobody even got that, right? <laughs> All right. Ver verse 1. Um, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But because they had no depth of soil, um, uh, but when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now take a pause just a second. Let me um, explain just a little bit of um, the context here, okay? 
because um, we think about gardening or we think about you know large farms today and we think you've got a big track of land and somebody's got a big uh, tractor and you go in, in rows right you, you've seen it you've seen them um, hoe the rows out or or um, use the discs and plow everything out right and then what do you have normally um, around that you, you'll either have a fence you'll have barbed wire you've got um, in Oklahoma, it's barbed wire. Here it's stone walls. Yeah, stone walls, right? You have something, barbed wire. Um, you have something around that oftentimes so that people, because what you don't want is somebody traipsing through your garden or your, your, um, your wheat or your corn, right? You don't want, if you have corn planted, you don't want somebody going through there when it's just popping up and smashing it all down, right? Well, think back, back in Jesus' day, um, there were people owned, had land, but it was basically a kind of community, and then people would just walk here and there. So, when some, what they would do is they would go and they would spread seed. But people had worn paths a lot of times in the in the places where they were were farming, and instead of going through, and I think there was some that did both, but a lot of times instead of going through and, and like hoeing a row or um, tilling the ground up first, they would go through and they would spread out the seed and then they would come back later and sow the seed. They would actually hoe the rows after that. So when you think about <clears throat> this sower going out to throw seed, and you're going, why would he throw it on a, on a road? Why would he throw this on a walking path? Right? It's not like even... Oh, Main Street. I'm gonna try to, you know, because because weeds grow out there, right? Why not? Why not goods? Why do why do weeds do that? They grow in places you they shouldn't, and I can't get the grass to grow where it should. I don't understand. Um, but so what they would do is they had paths in their um, in their gardens, basically, or their their um, their pasture, and wherever they were sowing, uh, that people would just walk through. So. Um, they, they threw out the seed, oftentimes they'd go and, and hoe the, the, the seed or rake the seed in to some extent. Okay, so the seed that, that fell on the very, very tough soil, the, it, it never got actually into the soil. And, um, or sometimes, I know we've, we've gardened and we've put seeds in, right? And then something will happen and you come back and you, you, you know that you've taken those seeds and you've stuck them in the ground, and you come back and the seeds are out of the ground. And you come back and you go, stick them back in, because what will happen? A bird or something will come along and get those seeds, and they, they'll, there's no way they'll germinate if they don't get into the ground in some way. Right? Things happen and the seeds pop up. Or sometimes you have ground that um, has like a hard pan underneath. You know, the, you have maybe a little bit of soil on top, but you don't have that much, you don't have something really hard underneath it, right? So, and, and I know in Oklahoma, there's a lot of hard pan. Here you've got rocks. I don't, the, whoever sowed all the rocks when they got here from mm -hmm. England, mm -hmm. okay, we should probably just, you know, they, they should have been hanged because the rocks have been multiplying ever since. Mm -hmm. In Oklahoma, we don't have the rocks as much, but we do have a lot of hard pan. It's very clay. Um, so the soil is very clay-like. So you, if you, you throw um, seed on the ground, you might, have a little, you might have this much dirt that you can rake that seed in, 
but then you have about that much um, uh, roots that go down, and you can go along and just plop that out, right? Because the roots are not deep. This is this is what we're this is what we're looking at this this passage. It's very it's an agricultural society. Um, what but what Jesus is interested in? Um, oh, look, I didn't I didn't do the thorns. We've we've done this before. Have you, anybody ever gardened and not gone back and, and pulled the weeds? Have you, I'm not the only one. Thank you for being honest. Um, we've we've gone in before and you know and it's it's. You've either got the weeds have totally choked everything out, or you're trying to get to it by pulling all the weeds and going, where did my onions go? <laughs> right? Or you go, oh, that's a pumpkin. I didn't even know we had pumpkins. Okay, you're pulling everything, and you, you finally get to where you think you put the, put the seeds in the ground. But if you don't do that, what's going to happen is those weeds will choke out your good seed. Listen to this. The disciples came, verse 10, and uh, asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered, to you it's been granted, see, listen to this, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been granted. Right, so this is a, if you will, this is the gift of understanding. It's a gift. You've, you've been given this gift in order to be able to understand for, um, for whoever ha has, to him more shall be given, but um, he will have an un and he'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Okay? So it's not that they just, it's not that they're not hearing with these, Okay? but they're not getting it into their heart so that it actually produces fruit. Um, jump down to verse 18. This is the, this is the, um, the uh, interpretation of the parable from Jesus. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what has been sown in the heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the word of the world and the, the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and what? Understand. Understands it. Did, did, did you see that? Let me, let, me, let me just, I'm going to jump back up to verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, right? So the first three, the one beside the road, the one on the rocky soil, the one with, that gets choked out by the, the cares of the world, those are ones that did not understand. 
see that? It's not, some of it's not even that they didn't hear. It's not that they didn't even receive it with joy, but they did not understand. The one in whom the seed was sown in, on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So, we have to bear fruit. Understanding, again, like I said earlier, understanding is not just hearing here. It's not just seeing the historical context. It's not just taking a look at a passage and being able to go, oh, I know what that means. It's getting it into your heart, getting it into your life in such a way that it produces fruit. Okay? That makes sense? All right, so let, let me go through this one by one, by one again real quickly. Um, <clears throat> so how does the spirit of understanding operate? And I'm, I'm going to actually I'm gonna use it two different ways. Um, so number one, um, uh, the, the soil that um, the, uh, falls on the road, Verse 18 again. Here in the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one whom the seed is sown beside the road. What I, this is where people don't perceive, okay? They don't perceive or they don't, they don't ponder the word. They don't even perceive it or ponder it. Right? And I, I'm using it that way because, you know, it's not, we, we often think of hear, right? You know, hear has ear in that word. We often think of hear as, are you, are you hearing me? Yeah, can, can, can everybody, like when, when I first stood up, I said, can you all hear me? Give me a thumbs up. And David went, yep. Right? You all can hear me. The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Many of the people in Jesus, they, they heard him. Okay? So it's not just a hearing. It's actually a perceiving or a pondering. Right? So the people that it fell beside the rocky soil, they, 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 they barely even perceived or pondered. They might have heard, but they didn't really even get it. Okay? And um, what, what happens is it says that... The, just the birds came along and ate it up. The, okay, it, it did not last at all. So we don't want to be that soil. And ba if, if you will, what this is, is a, um, it, the opposite of having understanding is being hard-hearted. Okay, and I, I forgot to write that passage. There's a couple of passages. It, um, there's an actual direct correlation. Are you hard-hearted? You haven't under. Why have you not understood um, this? Why are you? Are you? Do you have such a hard heart? This is what Jesus tells the disciples. Why don't you have any understanding? Is your heart still hard? There's a difference. Hard-heartedness it, it prevents the understanding. The, the first, the first one is the seed that that just falls onto the um, beside the road. Okay, so they did not even perceive it. So what do, what do we need to do? Well, first of all, we, we have to 
hear and we have to ponder. We have to ponder and we have to perceive what the word is that goes out. Right? A lot of times, and what Jesus is saying here, for the most part, is he's talking about people who, um, uh, to, to be saved, to, to become a Christian, um, this is what we need to do, is you have to, be, you have to be introduced to the word in some way. Right? Not very many people get saved without being introduced to the scriptures in some form or fashion. There are those that Jesus appears to, uh, you know, out of the blue and says, hey, I'm the Messiah and you need to believe in me. And even then you can say it's the word because the word, the word stood in front of them, right? The word became flesh, right? But you, we can choose to actually turn our ears off and say, no, thank you. I do not want to perceive or ponder this at all. I am not going to even look at this. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to, I'm going to turn my ears off and I'm just going to be, right? We've all done that before. Come on. How many times, how many times during worship have you been going, thank you, Jesus, and I am hungry, and I'm looking forward to our lunch afterwards, and or, am I the only one? Or you're, you're, you're looking at it, you know, you, the preacher's up here, you wouldn't do this to me, I'm sure. The preacher's up here and preaching away, and you're sitting there going, boy, there's a baseball game on TV. The Patriots are playing at one, and the pastor's going long today. <laughs> right? Are you perceiving or pondering, or is it going in one ear and out the other? Right? Come on. You have to take it in. But it's not, let me, let me take another step here, okay? It is not just for salvation. Because Jesus says the word of the kingdom this is like the word of the kingdom being given out. Think about this. When Hunsey came in, he did a great job of, he said, look, th this, is, this is scripture here. This word says that God wishes that everyone to be saved. So I can say, you know what? God wants my loved ones to be saved. Thank you, Jesus, that that my sister or my brother um, will be saved. Thank you, Jesus, that my son or my daughter will be saved. Thank you, Jesus, that my mom or my dad will be saved. Thank you, Jesus, right? Because this is what the word says. Or, remember, he said that there are the two parts of the cross, and it's easy for us to believe, hey, um, Jesus died for your sins. And you cast your sins upon him, right? And he, he said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm going to put those on the cross where you are. Would you please get, take your righteousness and give that to me? But the other side of the cross is he also died for all your sicknesses and diseases. We can turn our ears off to that. And say, you know, I'm just going to believe that he died for my sins. Or I'm not going to believe at all. And a lot of people use Jesus as a cuss word. Right? Or they, a lot of people sit in church and they, they think that there's no more power to do anything else except get saved. You can turn your ears off to that. You do not, 
A lot of people don't believe. And God's going to say, are you producing the fruit of it? <clears throat> you have to perceive, first of all. And secondly, you have to persevere. The second one is uh, the seed that fell, fell on uh, rocky places. One, the first one, of course, is beside the road. The one on whom, this is verse 20, the one whom the seed was sown on the rocky place, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is, it's only temporary. When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. So the idea is somebody, they, they, they hear the word. They, they've done enough to perceive. They've done enough to think about it. You know, and, and I'm sure we've all, you, you share the gospel with somebody who goes, hey, that's, that's great. You mean, I can, you mean I can go to heaven? Yeah. You don't have to, I mean, I, I don't have to go to hell. I can go to heaven? Sure. That's what you need to do. How do you do that? Oh, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. You give him, it's, it's great. You give him all your sin, all your mess. He gives you his righteousness, and you get to go. Well, that's great. That's easy. Yeah, it is. And they, they, they walk off down the road, and all of a sudden, they see a, a billboard or something that says, you know what, we, we don't believe in God, do you? And they go, well, I'm not really sure. Or they, 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 they receive it really quickly, and the first person they go up to, and they say, you know what, I've become a Christian. They say, why did you do something like that? That was a silly thing to do. So well, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't believe in that. Right? Persecution or something arises that it's not deep enough into their heart that they they turn it off. And a lot of this happens to a lot of people. I you know, one of the <clears throat> one of the the um I don't, I don't want to say this very carefully because I, I, I very much appreciate a lot of these big evangelists like, like Billy Graham and, and Luis Palau and these guys that they, they come through and so, so, so many people give their hearts to the Lord during those. But a lot of times I think what happens is somebody receives and receives gladly and they say, yes, that's a great thing. But the church, what they try to do, like Billy Graham uh, did and Luis Palau, they, they tried to do is they tried to get the churches to come alongside because they said we're going to come in and we're going to we're going to spread the word really really widely, but we can't stay here. You churches have to to pick this up. We're going to give you all the response cards. You need to follow up with everybody who's who's um, raised their hand for salvation. That way they have some place to go and they they've got that depth of soil. But I think what happens a lot, people out of their excitement say, yeah, I'm going to do that. <coughs> but then they walk out, and their decision was just that night. Or nowadays, what, what you have a lot of is um, churches that, that say, look, they, they, don't, they don't have much of repentance at all. It is, you know what, all you have to do to, to get saved is say, Thank you, God. Give him a fist bump, and, and you're in. You don't have to do anything else. 
There's no repentance. There's no. It, it, it's it's just this really easy, and people think they're they think they're in good shape when they've not done anything except acknowledge that there's a God. And then when the cares of the world and the, the persecutions come along, they really don't have any depth. This happens with salvation, but again, you know, oftentimes we come into a service and we receive something really good, right? Oftentimes, you know, the, the, the Sunday morning or the Wednesday is what, that shot in the arm that'll get us through the week. But we, we come in and we, we, we receive it, right? It's, hey, you know what? The Lord wants to heal you. And you say, yay, God. And you get prayed for and you're like, man, I feel, I feel better, right? And Monday morning, you get up and say, thank you, Jesus, I am healed. And you're, you're, you're bending over like, I haven't been able to bend over like that this is great and then Tuesday morning you wake up and you're like boy I'm a little bit stiff and you say thank you Jesus I think I'm healed and then Wednesday morning you're a little bit like man I don't know what happened and by Friday you're going I need somebody to pray over me again. Why? Because when persecutions and stuff come, when the trials and stuff come, then we don't we don't have the um, we don't have the perseverance to be able to keep going to say whatever you were given on Sunday morning, I'm going to hold on to that and I'm going to keep on going, and it doesn't matter what comes against me. doesn't matter what I feel like in here. It doesn't matter what anyone's saying out there. What God has said in his word is what is true. And to be able to stand on that. So one of the, the enemies of understanding is not perceiving not persevering, then you have pitfalls. You have pitfalls. The one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, there's verse 22. This is the man who hears the word, and the word of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choked the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The worries the deceitfulness of wealth, the pitfalls keep the word from being unfruitful. You know, so for salvation so many times, you know, people, people hear the word, they, they receive it, right? But as soon as they really, you know, you, you, re you receive the word and all of a sudden you look at your checkbook and you say, you know what, they said that, that God was going to bless me. And then I look at my checkbook and, and I'm like, I have another week of the month and I don't have enough money for that next week. I say, well, maybe that preacher wasn't really a good preacher. Maybe he wasn't really true after all. You know what I should do? I should follow Jeff Bezos. 
whatever in the world he did, he's got it right. Because he's got a lot of wealth. Or maybe I will follow Tom Brady, because whatever he did, he's got it right. Right? Pitfalls. We, put, we have the word that goes out, and all of a sudden we receive it, but then when you look, start looking at the world, you either get worried or you find a pitfall. Whether that's wealth or maybe it's um, maybe you come to church and it's um, somebody, you know, they walk in off the street and they've got all the sin, they've got this that they're dealing with and they've got that that they're dealing with and, and the preacher says, you know, you can get out of your sin. Praise God you can get out of your sin. And they say, yes, I want to get out of my sin. That's great. Praise God. They receive and they go back out. And it's they, they, that sin comes right back in, and they, they, keep, they keep getting into those pitfalls. The pitfalls keep us from understanding and, and having that fruit. And I've, I've seen this, actually, where, um, uh, where people, they will get a healing, Right? And then several days or, or, or a week later or something, they come back and they say, you know what, I got into this, whatever it was, and I'm not feeling so good anymore. Could you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, well, we'll take care of that. And say, I, first of all, repent of whatever it is that you're doing, and then let's take care of it. I did that, pray for him. Oh, good, I feel better again. Thank you. The pitfalls will, will, will take you back out of where God is trying to put you. So you have to avoid the, the pitfalls in life, whether that's sin or whether it's um, you know, the deceitfulness that, uh, that the world is trying, because the world's trying to lure us away, isn't it? Right? But what we have to do is keep holding on to the word. Both for, you know, salvation-wise, somebody comes in, you know, it's not just about hearing the word and, and going out and doing whatever you want. It's about a changed life. I, I've mentioned this many times. Um, you know, Christianity is not just a decision. It's a lifestyle. It starts with a decision. Don't get me wrong. It starts with a decision where you say yes, right? But it's not just that decision and go live however you want to. It is a decision. The understanding comes that you can have in order to produce fruit. But you avoid the pitfalls. And lastly, not producing fruit right, is another pitfall to understanding. Right, so you have to produce fruit. Um, the one on, on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man, this is verse 23, who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. <clears throat> So you have to you 
have to produce fruit. <clears throat> I remember uh, we were, Ruth and I were in a, um, a, it's actually like a Sunday school class years ago. Um, and one of my professors was teaching it. We were at the church we were at. He, was, he went to that church. Um, and he was talking about this passage. Um, and uh, his name is Bill Mounts, William Mounts. Great, well, he's probably my favorite prof. Um, but he said, look, um, there's only one soil that was praised there. And it was the ones producing fruit. Only one soil produced fruit. He said, Christians have to produce fruit. He said, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not the one to judge the fruit. I don't know. I don't know how much fruit anybody needs. Not my job, but my pay grade, right? God is the one who is choosing, you know, he's the one that looks and says, are you producing fruit? And it's up to him. But there's only one soil where they understand. Only one. And that's the one that produces fruit. And we have to be fruit-producing soil. And again, not my job. Not my job to judge your fruit. Not my job to say, this person's had enough fruit, that person had it. Not, not up to me. It's up to the Lord. And only, only each person knows whether that they're in that right relationship with the Lord enough. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell that. Hopefully I can judge your fruit and say, yeah, you've got some good fruit going on. But however much you need, I don't know. I do know, you, took, you, you think about the New Testament, I think one of the greatest statements of faith in the entire scripture, one of the greatest statements of faith is the man on the cross next to Jesus. Think about it. He's sitting there, he's, he's, he's standing, right, you know, dying. He's actively dying next to Jesus who's actively dying. They know within hours they're both going to be dead. And he looks over and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's looking at a dead man saying, when you get to be king, remember me. Because I was a sinner, but I want, I want to be with you. That's much more faith than any of the disciples had. They were hiding, except for John. John was there. All of them took off. Uh-oh, he's dying. Now they're going to come after us. We're dead. He's, no, he's gonna, this guy's going to be king, even though he's on a cross. That was enough fruit. I want to ask, are you producing fruit? And not just fruit of salvation, but think about it. This is the word of the kingdom. What are we doing to, to extend the kingdom out? We've been given a lot, right? Are we, is the Lord has given us healing? Are we giving healing out? Is the Lord has given us freedom? Are we giving freedom out? The Lord has given us deliverance. Are we giving deliverance out? So the Lord is giving us encouragement. If he's, if he's already given us encouragement and hope and strength, are we giving 
encouragement and hope and, and strength out? Are we producing the fruit of what God has done in us? Because the kingdom is much more than just getting saved. It is that. Okay? But you know what? If, if God just wanted to make sure we got to heaven, as soon as we said yes, he could hit the eject button. Rapture him out now. Bing. Right? No, he wants us to be on earth with a purpose. It's not just to get to heaven. It's to spread the kingdom here. Produce fruit here. Being fruit-producing Christians. What God has given you, you need to give out. Let me see where the Lord wants to go. I did not intend to go here, but this keeps getting dropped in my lap, my, in my heart just now. Um, if you would, flip over to Isaiah 65. This is a picture of us, okay? And I keep I keep telling people, so the Lord just keeps after me and keeps after me and keeps after me, is that we need to set our eyes higher. We need to imagine more. And like I said, like I said the other the other you know last week in here, I've I, I never heard Jesus say you know what? You've got too much faith. You're just believing for too much. Stop believing for so much. Quit that. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that much. But he, right? I, I never heard him say that. But it was very often. It was you have little faith. Why did you doubt? We need to be setting our sights higher. We need to be imagining for more. We need to be hoping for more. L listen to this. Uh, start Isaiah 65, starting in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her peoples for gladness. I'll rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping, the sound of crying. And let me add, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. No longer will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100. This, this isn't talking about that when we all get to heaven, right? If this is when, if this is when we all get got to heaven, who, who's going to die? Right? We're not going to have infants in heaven that li live only a few days. This, this is the new that, that Paul talked about. You become a new creature. The youth will die at the age of 100. My thought is, you know what? I, don't call me old until after I'm 100 years old. I'm still a young pup, right? When I reach 100, you could say he's, a, he's an older guy. 
but not until then. I don't care how much gray hair I have, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not even halfway there. The youth will die at the age of 100. And the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build, house, build houses and, and inhabit them. They will plant vineyards, eat their fruit. They will not build it in another habit. They will not plant in another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. Fruit producing people to change the world. Fruit producing people to change the world. That is the spirit of understanding. To get the word, just like I read there, in your heart to such an extent that it produces fruit. Right? You have to perceive, right? You have to you have to hear it. Be open to hearing. Be open to taking it in. You have to persevere. Even though you take it in, it doesn't mean everything's going to be honky-dory, right? Everything's not going to be perfect all the time. You take it in and you persevere. No matter what it looks like, you're going to persevere and you're going to keep on going. You're going to avoid the pitfalls because they'll come. And they will try to steal away anything that, that God is doing in you. And they're, they're going to try to get you into sin. They're going to try to get you off the course. Those pitfalls are going to come, but the spirit of understanding comes in such a way that you hear, you persevere, you avoid the pitfalls, and then you produce fruit. Why do we want the spirit of understanding? So that when the word comes into us, it's not just falling on deaf ears. It's not just falling, it's not just something that's gonna pump us up on Sunday morning. It will produce the fruit of what we hear throughout the week, both in our lives and also in other people. The kingdom will expand. Amen. So spirit of understanding gives perceiving, perseverance, avoiding of pitfalls, and producing. Let me pray for us. But uh, if you would just re receive this, I'm going to I'm going to pray this once again over us. And uh, I I so want us to walk in in these seven um, anointings of the Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for the spirit of understanding this morning. Thank you, Lord, that that um, when your word goes out, it will change our lives and change other lives too. And Lord, I'm, I'm asking as, as the pastor here that you would grant us the Spirit of the Lord. Let the Spirit of the Lord come and fall on us. Lord, let the Spirit of wisdom come and fall on, on us here this morning. Lord, let the Spirit of understanding come 
forward. Let the spirit of counsel come and fall on us this morning. Spirit of might come and fall on us in power. Spirit of knowledge. Let the spirit of knowledge come and fall upon us. And Lord, let the spirit of the fear of the Lord come and descend upon us this morning that we may be full of you to the fullness. 